Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, unbothered and just be able to focus on your word as a whole. We ask that you would show up, Lord, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Um, you know that I'm tired and just kind of scrambling. So, Lord, I pray that your word would go out clear. And I pray that as it's received, Lord, that it would fall on good soil on our hearts and in our ears. We love you, Father. You're so good. You're so gracious. Um, thank you that we get to look at you um, in this text tonight. So, Lord, bless this time. Bless this evening in your name. Amen. Sweet. All right. We're going to keep going through Matthew 5, verse 33. Sorry, I, s I should have said that before the prayer. I gave you guys a little extra time. But 533. Um, in this section, we're going to continue to see that the Lord is addressing, um, after the Beatitudes, some, I would call it, kind of misconduct by the spiritual leaders at that time to properly relay um, God's Word, which at this time was the law, um, to His people. So He's saying, like we see in uh, 21, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger, but I say to you. So we're, we're entering into this cool realm where the Lord is comparing what the people of Israel have been taught, are being taught in the synagogues um, in that day by the priests. And he's saying, here's what these guys have said. Here's what you have heard. But I say to you, and he's speaking with authority. He's speaking um, in a way that these guys would understand and hear that like, Basically, he's putting his name up above these Pharisees, above the, above the spiritual leaders of the time. And he's saying, hey, these guys say this, but I say to you this. And the past sections that we went over last week that I covered, I can't remember what it was. I think it was 17, 17 to 32. We did 15 verses. A lot of it is dealing, as well as the Beatitudes, is heart posture heart attitude. What's going on here? The Lord's not interested in necessarily what we're doing physically, the things that we're doing outwardly. He's looking to change us inwardly. Amen? And it's the same thing for us. The same is true for these guys. The Lord was after their heart, and the Lord is after our heart. Amen? So we're going to get into that a little bit tonight. Um, I, like I said, I'm going to try to get through the end of the chapter so that we can, <laughs> we can get through Matthew 5. I think we've been here for five years. Um, nah, but it's been really good and really encouraging. So we won't necessarily blast through it um, in a goal to end, but if we do end, we'll be stoked. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. If I accidentally say oaths and oaths, I apologize. I'm, gonna, I'm doing my best. But even studying, I was saying oaths a lot. My wife would make fun of me. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. 37, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So again, context. Jesus is speaking to who and where. where. Where is Jesus at this time? On the mountaintop, right? 
Sermon on the Mount, speaking to Jews. So keeping in mind those things will help you to put this text into context so that we know what's being relayed to those people that he's speaking to, what it means for them in that day. And so that, I think that will give us a better understanding of how we can apply what's being said here to these people to us personally. We kind of talked about a little bit last week the way that the law related to these individuals that Jesus was speaking to, we have a completely different relationship with the law at this point. Here, they were tasked with going by the Levitical law, by the letter, um, not to earn their righteousness, but to, in a sense, earning their righteousness. But they were also, that's how they found payment for sin, favor with the Lord, um, and that was the law of the land in that day. We know in this day and age, we're under the law of grace. The Lord says, hey, the law of old, that's a schoolmaster to you and I. It's supposed to, we're supposed to see it and understand we can't do it. Therefore, then Jesus introduces himself and says, hey, but through me, I'm the full, perfect fulfillment of the law. You can do these things through me. So keeping these things in mind, the Lord is talking about oaths. I think we all have known someone or been around someone, maybe for extended amounts of time or just from our lives, where are like, I promise I'm going to do this. Or I swear, I swear to God, I'm going to do this thing. And I hope that's not, I was out saying it out loud, and I hope that's not jarring. I'm trying to paint the picture. So if you guys are like, the pastor guy was saying, I swear to God a lot, and that was not cool. Not my intention, but just for propping up that picture. But people who basically say, oh, I swear I'm going to do this, or oh, I swear I'm going to do that, time and time and time again, you hear them say it over and over, and to us, it, it doesn't really mean much, does it? Someone says, hey, I promise to do something, but if you've had a promise from that individual before, or multiple people in the past, how, how firmly do we really hold on to promises that we hear in this day and age? Unfortunately, it's not very tightly. We don't take those things Maybe it varies from individual to individual, but for me, if someone, there was this guy in high school, I won't name him, but he was kind of the cool guy at the time. You kind of wanted to spend time with him. He had the cool truck, drove around all over the place, good at sports. You kind of wanted to be around him, but he was notorious for promising things and then really, really, really under-delivering. And so at first, you were like stoked. You're like, oh man, I got the cruise with this guy. It was so fun. Ah, he said we'd go do this. We ended up doing that. Um, which was all right. It was kind of a bummer, but whatever. And then time goes by, months go by, and by the end of it, you're like, I don't really want to cruise with that guy. He's, he's full of promises and never holds up his end. It's like kind of exhausting. I'm kind of over it. And in this sense, that's kind of what's happening at this time. The Pharisees had taken this law um, from Leviticus 19, which kind of correlates to the third commandment when the Lord says, hey, you shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We kind of take it in the connotation of our language, our speech. If you were to some burst out, ah, JC, or like when you hear it as a Christian, it's jarring. You're like, whoa, not cool. Or it's like, oh my God, I did this and I did that. It's kind of like for us as Christians, as believers, it should be a little bit off-putting of like, whoa, not cool. That's not right. We're not supposed to be putting my God in this little nonsensical phrase that you're just throwing around like his name is honorable and it's great don't slander it 
So that's kind of the connotation that we have it in this day, which I believe is good. But also within this context, it was also referring to oaths. If you were to put yourself under an oath and you did it under the name of the Lord, it was binding. It was something to be taken very seriously and it was something that you needed to complete with rapid pace. So if you committed something to the Lord and you said, Lord, I promise I do this or Lord, I swear that I'll do this. The Lord said, okay. And he held you to it. And that was what it was. If you broke that, there were consequences. And the Lord even says, kind of like I mentioned earlier, it needs to be done ASAP. Don't linger in your commitment of your oath to me. The Pharisees had taken this and they've kind of twisted it to fit their own agenda. They basically said like, hey, like in an effort to be deceitful and to kind of skirt around the fact that they found out like people aren't very good at fulfilling their oaths because we're weak and we are human and we fail in those things and there were consequences. So that w- they would basically be saying, hey, swear to your mother's grave or swear to this and swear to that. Therefore, when it doesn't happen or if it doesn't happen, hey, you didn't swear to God, so it's not really binding. It's not really that big of a deal. You can get away with just doing, saying, oh, I swear this, but if it doesn't happen, don't trip. Don't worry about it. That was kind of their heart towards this. And the Lord is saying, hey, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, king, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black. Basically, what the Lord is saying here is that if you make an oath, I'm in that oath. I see that promise that you made. I see that commitment that you made. And it is to me whether you acknowledge it or not. And I think that's a good thing for us to remember too. When we fling our words around or when these guys were just saying, oh, I make this promise or hey, yes, I'll pay that back. I'll take care of this debt. And they were doing it in an effort to skirt by and be deceitful. The Lord, Jesus is saying here like, hey, you haven't escaped that. You haven't hidden behind your own little rule set. I see it. So he's basically saying you can't make an oath that you are not held to by me. So which is heavy and it's cool, but it puts a strong emphasis on the things that we say, the things that we promise. I was thinking about myself and I can't really think of many things that I've like made a strong stand Lord if this happens or because of this I will do this Um, I think maybe because this was something that we were taught when I was young so maybe that was just the application there but I feel like when we as believers do this the most is when things really hit the fan when times are really hard and we say Lord, if you just get me through this, if you just meet me where I'm at, if you, get, if you do this for me, I swear to you or I promise to you, I'll do this thing. But oftentimes what happens is as soon as those things clear up or as soon as we're in the clear, we so quickly forget. It's like, oh, thanks, Lord, I'm out of there. <laughs> and you just do your own thing. That commitment is unfulfilled. The Lord sees it and he's like, hey, Like, I did this thing for you. Where is this? But we, as people, finite in nature, are so quickly and so easily unfaithful. Um, So I think the Lord here is getting to the heart of the issue where he says, 
nor shall you, or nor, uh, blah, 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 excuse me, um, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, or I'm sorry, I just went through that. So the Lord's basically saying, hey, because of this, because you can't keep your oath, and because everything that you do oath is under me, let your yes be yes, and your no, no. The heart of what the Lord's trying to get to here, I believe, and through what I've studied, um, study up and find for yourself. The Lord's getting to this place where we don't skirt around and try to be deceitful. He wants us as believers to be honest. He wants us as believers to be truthful as much as possible. Hey, if you have a work commitment, if I said, Steve, I'm coming by in a week, and I'm going to clean the filters in these ACs. It's going to be on my, hold on, just an application, just, just an analogy. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll put it on the books. Um, but if I say, hey, I'm going to come by in a week and I'm going to do this. And a week passes by and then two. And Steve's like, hey, you said you were going to do this. Hey, th- it smells in here. The pe- like people can't get through a sermon without sneezing. The allergies are going bad. This AC, it's not blowing cold anymore. Mitch would be stoked, but, <laughs> but it's getting unbearable. We need you to do this. The Lord's heart for me and for you is to say, hey, if you've made a commitment, if you say, hey, I'm going to do this thing, then be faithful to the best of your ability, yet your yes be yes and your no is no. Be faithful. The Lord knows that we can fail, and there's grace for this. If you say, hey, I'm going to do this thing, something comes up, or if you're unable to, the Lord's not looking to swing the hammer because you broke an oath, but the heart here is, hey, be truthful. Be honest. Be willing to step up to the plate. If you commit to something, then commit. Do it. Follow through. I'm guilty of doing those things like, oh, the Austin invites me to surf, and I'm like, oh, man, I'll be there. And then I figure out it's head and a half and I'm out. No shot. I'm not out there. And so I would say let the Holy Spirit give you discernment on those things. If you're like, okay, like I said yes and I want to do this thing, but I don't know if I should or if it's wise. Before you make commitments, seek the Lord. Don't just commit to things willy-nilly. Include the Lord in that decision-making process. I think that's wise. And then on the adverse side of it, if you are not, or saying you're not going to do something, don't do that thing. Um, As far as not making any oaths, what I don't think the Lord is saying is that you should no longer make any oaths ever. I think about the oath that I made to my wife. I think about marriages, and I think about um, work contracts or things of that nature where, hey, we say we're going to do a job, so we're going to show up and do it. For my marriage, it's a three-chord bond. It's me, my wife, and the Lord. I've committed to her, hey, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to love you as Christ loved the church. I've made a promise. I've made an oath between me, my wife, and the Lord, and he is a witness to it and will hold us to it. So I think there is a place for us to make commitments to the Lord. This isn't, again, this isn't an opportunity like, ah, the Lord said don't make an oath. Let my yes be yes and my no be no, so now I'm just going to skirt around every single responsibility and I'm not going to commit. I don't think that's what the Lord is saying. I don't think that's the heart of what's being talked about here. Um, But let's be faithful, amen? 
I know that's hard at times, but I think that's something as a renewed heart and as a believer that we should embody. It should be part of this um, sanctification process. We're out with the flesh and we're in with His Spirit. That is a characteristic of our God. Amen? He's faithful. Has He ever broken a promise? No. Will He ever break a promise? No. The Lord is forever the perfect example of that faithfulness. He will always hold His oath to us. And so we long for that. We desire to do that. There's grace if we fail. Amen? Praise the Lord that there is. But if we want to look more like the Lord, if we want to walk in step with the Lord, I believe this is a characteristic for Christians that we need to be able to apply to our day-to-day lives. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Amen? Sweet. Another little nugget that I pulled from this, um, and actually my wife, I was super nervous for tonight and didn't feel prepared and super tired and yada, 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 excuses. And we were just talking before coming over here, and we were talking about this, and I won't bring up all the details of the conversation, but there was this church out there that this pastor was in this homosexual relationship and then came back to the pulpit and was justifying his lifestyle and using these scriptures to justify what he was doing was right. And it was so, so wrong. Similarly, we see that kind of attitude being taken towards the law. And I think if we're not careful, that can take place when we read the Word and when we study the Word. And we see it all over the place in our day-to-day. And especially with social media, and you see pastors on pulpits or even individuals, and we say, "Uh, this scripture says this, and I don't really want to study it through, but it justifies this idea or this way of living that I have. I'm going to twist what God's word says to benefit me. Church, be careful. That is something that these guys had fallen into. Most of Jesus' harsh rebukes and his harsh words during his ministry was to these religious rulers who had twisted what God's perfect word had said to benefit them. And if we're not careful, we can be guilty of the exact same thing. Or we we steer clear of certain passages because we know that it's convicting. When we read through the word, we need to allow the word to dictate what is right and what is wrong. Amen? I hope that makes sense, and I hope that kind of all ties together. But I don't want us to be a body. I don't want to be an individual who reads something, and ah, because I'm living this way or because I've become okay with this sin, I'm going to tweak this to make it fit what I need it to do. It's self-serving, and it's wrong. Um, 38. We're moving on. How are we doing on time? Perfect. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Excuse me. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. 
38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This passage, if you, in my Bible, I have these little, um, I guess, cliff notes. I don't know what you call them, the technical term for those. But it has um, Old Testament or other passages that are, hey, linked to this um, scripture. And so what it took me back to was Leviticus 24. This eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing was placed by God over the people of Israel in the Levitical law as a government would handle misdoings and either crime or missteps within the population. So that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing, if you were to, whatever it was, say, go to your neighbor's herd of sheep and murder a sheep and take it for yourself, the law would basically state that, hey, now your sheep must be taken and given to the person that you took it from. It's the same for the same. It's equal. It's right. It's just. Even to the point of, hey, if you murdered somebody, the law would call for your life. And so basically that's the kind of the context of what he's talking about. Um, but it goes into something else here. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now we're getting into what was this societal setup of what the Lord had set up for a group of people to rule over the country to this individual personal relationship. And we see, I think we've all heard it, like, hey, if you get slapped on the cheek, turn the other to it also, okay? And I think that this is a really cool passage, again, getting to the heart of the issue Steve and I were talking because I was asking questions. I was like, hey, I studied this and I thought about this. Like, what are you, like, what is this really talking about? If you read and uh, some of the things that I was reading through, that slap kind of could refer to this, like, disrespectful insult. Like, if you hit somebody with the back of your hand, it was this insult to you. And so it wasn't necessarily this assault on you physically, but it was this attack against you verbally or maybe physically but I think the heart is the same if you receive wrong if you're hit on the cheek the Lord saying hey turn the other also gets to the root of the problem in the heart that says hey you don't look to immediately retaliate it's not your place to sit there and say wrong was done to me I'm justified in hitting you back that's what I'm going to do. I have that right. Hey, eye, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But what the Lord's trying to say and try to get to these people is, hey, if this is done to you, your heart should be not, how do I get you back and get justice right now in this situation? But it's extending grace and mercy to that person. How often have we received that mercy and that grace? Amen. How many times through we, through our foul behavior, our words, or even our actions, seeing the cross, maybe it was before you're a believer, and bah, I'm not doing that. And the Lord could have easily said, okay, you don't want to do it? Dunzo. Praise God he didn't do that, right? There was grace and there was mercy for us, overflowing. So in this individual-to-individual relationship, the Lord's saying, hey, allow me to be the judge. Allow me to handle the wrongdoing here, your job as a believer, your reaction should be that of patience and extending mercy and grace. I thought that was 
really a practical application for us because I think that's something that, especially as Americans, we feel is our right. If somebody wrongs us or says something to us, it's our job to step up to the plate and handle it because if, no, if I don't handle it, who's going to handle it? But that's not what the Lord is saying here. Hey, you extend mercy. You extend grace. I'll handle that wrongdoing, whether it be in eternity when the Lord finally judges all sin, all wrongdoing, or maybe it's, maybe it's sooner. I don't know. But we have to be able to say, okay, Lord, I trust you with that. I'm not going to retaliate. I want to. I want to sock that person back. I want to take that, that step on my own. But Lord, I want to allow you to deal with that. Please give me the patience to extend grace and mercy to this individual. Amen? Is that making sense? Cool. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. It was um, by law, if you were being sued for your tunic, hey, give your tunic, but you could keep your coat overnight. It was to keep you warm. You could give away your tunic, but you could keep, or maybe it wasn't your coat. Maybe it was your, your other shirt. might have been your coat. I'm not sure. Check it out later. Be Bereans. Um, but you could keep that other cloak. You could also keep yourself warm at night. The heart here, the Lord is saying, hey, don't be stingy. If you've done something wrong, be willing to go the extra mile. Give the extra bit. Um, this one was kind of I was trying to find maybe a practical application for this one. Um, I would just say, seek the Lord on this one. That's what it's being said. That's the truth of the word. So maybe seek that one out. I was, like I said, trying to find an example or something like that. But um, search the word for that one. All right, guys. 41. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. This one I really like. I've heard some good, some good teachings on this. Um, it was common practice in that time. Remember the time that Jesus is in his ministry. Rome is ruling and reigning over the people. And the Roman soldiers and the Romans basically viewed Israelites as less than. They could do anything they want. They could say anything they wanted to these guys. And the Roman soldiers especially could exercise their authority over any Israelite at any time. I think it was Simon who carried the cross for Jesus, correct? Um, Simon? Simeon? Simeon? So close. That's basically what law was being exercised in that moment. The Roman guard says, hey, you, carry the cross. So that person, Simeon, was obligated at that point, drop what you're doing, stop what you're doing, and do what this Roman guard says. And so they could basically say to you, it's a hot, long day. You just got home from the carpentry shop, whatever it is, you're headed home and a Roman soldier who might be going back into town or wherever he's going could grab you and say, take my sword, take my pack, take my belongings. You're carrying this one mile to give himself a rest. But the Lord here is saying, hey, if you're persuaded to go one mile, go with him too. And I thought that was really cool because the Lord, even though at times we as believers can feel like we're being exploited, or used for our grace and our kindness, the Lord is saying, hey, do it more so than expected. If you feel like you're being taken advantage of, you might be. But honor the Lord in that. Say, okay, Lord, this person wants me to work overtime again. None of the other people have to work overtime, but I'm going to work overtime, and I'm going to do it as unto you. I'm going to do it 
with a joyful heart. I'm going to go the extra mile here. And so I think that's a really cool one and a practical one. Um, no one's made me carry their, whatever it is, their pack, the MREs and rifle a mile and had to take it too. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's situations in our lives and scenarios in our lives where we can say, okay, Lord, you know what? I, I could go the extra mile here. I could, I could take the extra energy that you've given me and even though this person this individual has taken advantage of me and it's wrong it's not right i'm gonna i'm gonna do double to honor you and so i think that's cool um give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you do not turn away if somebody asks you for something don't be stingy give it to him if you if the lord's blessed you and given you more than enough and somebody asks something of you give it to them don't say hmm that's going to be really inconvenient. I wanted that extra 50 bucks to do whatever. I don't know what it is. Maybe could be anything. But the Lord's heart here is, hey, like don't be so don't be so willing to clasp onto your belongings. If somebody asks something of you, willingly and joyfully give it to that person. And then also in the word it says, hey, don't expect anything back. If somebody is going to give you, or if you're going to give something to somebody, hey, you give it. You give it wholeheartedly. You don't say, hey, I'm going to need 10% back on that later in a week, okay? I'm going to need double. The Lord's saying, hey, give it and give it joyfully. And so I really like that one as well. This was a cool section. Um, Again, not necessarily looking for retaliation. It's not our role to go get what's ours. And that sense like I think there is a a right time and a good time to stand up to evil to stand up to wrong maybe even physically if you see somebody getting beat or if you're getting beat it's not just sit there and be beat to death defend yourself if need be but our our first our first heart reaction shouldn't be go get what this guy deserves or I'm going to handle this instead rather letting the Lord handle it our overflow if we're walking with the Lord, should be mercy, should be graciousness. Amen? Cool. I think we're going to do it. Oh, we're doing it. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you, I'm sorry, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Excuse me. Um, We obviously hear this a lot as believers. If you've been in the church a while, hey, love your enemy. But the Lord's taken it to a really cool and defined place. We used to be enemies of the Lord, amen? And while, while we were yet sinners, he first, what? Loved us. So that's his call to these people. Hey, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, 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 no. I want you to love your enemy, amen? It's not easy, and shocker, we can't do it on our own. It's not in my nature to hate somebody that is personally having a vendetta with me or coming against me. 
this has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And it's, I like, it's kind of funny, but for if you love those who love you, what, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? It's like, Lord, I love people. I'm, I'm loving people. But it's just the family members and all the boys who love you back. Our call is to love the unlovable, those who are hard to love. There's been a few times in my life where I've been put around individuals um, that are just hard to love. And it's, it's, it's a daily submission to the Lord of saying, Lord, this person drives me nuts. <laughs> it's, I hate being around them. This sucks. It's hard to do. I don't want to be here. Why is this person in the house? Why do I have to deal with this? But I've found the most joy and the most close and intimate time with the Lord when I say, Lord, okay, you've put this person here. You've allowed this individual to be in my life. I want to love this individual even though it's really hard to love them. And I think when we submit to the Lord in that way, it's so fulfilling and it's so right because that's what the Lord did for us. We get a brief and small picture of what it must have been like for the Lord to take on the sins of the world, to see the world who is against him and say, I love you. I love you so much so that I'm going to die for you. It's so, it's so mind-boggling to me because I can barely handle one or two people that I dislike or that are hard to love, and I'm, just, I'm up to here. I'm, smoke's coming out the ears. I can't handle it. But the Lord, in his rich, rich mercy and love, every individual at one point or another was up against it with the Lord, adverse to the Lord. Like I said, we can't do it on our own. This needs to be a work of the Spirit. If we don't have a close walk with the Lord, if we're not in his word, if we're not spending time with him, looking at how Jesus loved the unlovable, we're not going to be able to do so. Spend time with the Lord and you'll find that those people that are hard to love, those people that are just a pain in the rear, the Lord is going to give you the grace daily to love that individual. Those people that I talked about, a lot of them became friends of mine. They got saved. And I got to see the Lord just redeem those cool relationships. That may not always happen. Amen? Sometimes the Lord's just like, no, you just need to learn. You're just going to saddle up and you're going to love this person. There may not be fruit. You may not see the fruit. Love them. But Lord, love them. I love them. I want them to know that I love them by the way that you love them. Amen? Let's pray it up. Thank you for your patience, guys. I really do appreciate it. Father, we love you. We want to be more like you. We want to, we want to have your heart, Lord. We don't want to retaliate. We don't want to hate others. We don't want to do these things. We don't want to skirt around disobedience and trying to find our own way to do our own thing, Lord. We want to submit our lives unto you. We want to seek first you in the kingdom of heaven, Lord, and we know that all these things shall be added unto us. Lord, would you please touch the hearts of those that are maybe battling with this or maybe don't want to submit to that? Would you just gently and lovingly just remind them of how loving you've been lord and also would you just break up fallow ground in our hearts lord that maybe we've put there over the years or over the months whatever it's been 
to give us the fresh ability of quick obedience to you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for this night. I pray that these individuals here would be blessed, Lord. Would you shower them with blessing? Would you whisper the promises of your word to them, Lord? I pray that you would just go before the rest of the work weeks or whatever is going on, the families, the kiddos, and that you would just be with these individuals um, and that come Sunday, we would have awesome stories to tell of how you've just been working in our lives, Lord. Um, We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.